Welcome to Elan Restoration Fellowship, where Jesus is King, Hamelech, Lord, Hashem, and Messiah, Mashiach. And now, Pastor and Rabbi, Billy Elias. Shabbat Shalom, Shali Akim. Um, Sabbath blessings, my brothers and sisters. Um, we have now entered into the month of March, um, and towards the end of the month is the great Seder. So we are in the Passover month, um, which is extremely exciting. Um, the first day of Nisan, which would be the first day of the month of Passover, would be Sunday the 14th. It is known as Rosh Kodesh, okay, Rosh Kodesh, uh, meaning the new month, um, but this is an exciting month because we get to celebrate the Passover, as I said before. So a lot of what we're going to be doing is building up to that Seder where, um, you know, in the Messianic community um, and, you know, for, for what we do, we celebrate the three Seders, the, the original Seder, Moses leaving Egypt, Jesus's last Seder, also known as the Last Supper, and of course... Your Seder and our Seder with our loved ones and family. So today's devotional, the Devakut on Shabbat, is going to be. I just, I just call. I'm just calling it. Remember me in Hebrew. Zakeh. Oh, sorry, Zakera Lee. Zakera Lee. Remember me. Not like that song from the Disney movie Coco, right? Um, but. Um, Remember me, Zahera Li. Now, this is based on uh, scripture in Nehemiah, um, Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 14. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it's every year God gives me a scripture. And this year, this was the scripture that he chose. So um, I'm just going to read what the Hebrew translation is. Um, into English, just so you get a, so we could just cut to the point, right? So here, Nehemiah, I'll give you the backstory. He's read Torah; the people have heard it. Now he's reading it for himself, and he begins a restoration. He sees the burden that is on God's heart about the people of Israel about the, how they're treating the Shabbat, how they're treating others, and mostly how they're what they're doing with their tithes and the temple. So he begins on a campaign of restoration, right? He begins on a campaign of restoration. You know, so the first thing he does is he reads the, the Torah so all the people can hear it. Um, the second thing he does is he uh, he helps them to understand um, about the separation, right? Okay, so you're a Jew, but you're married to these people, um, these tribes, which was forbidden. But what's worse is they don't even speak, your children don't even speak Hebrew. They don't even speak the language. So you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are in Hashem. You see? 
And so when they heard Torah and he, he it, it comes alive in him, it begins to come alive in the people because the word is living and active. And we've said that a thousand times. Um, and then he gets very upset with, with the priesthood and, and what's happening in the temple um, and what's being offered and why the meal offerings are going the way they are and what, what is going on with the, the tithes that are offered to the priests and why are they being brought in and why are you selling things on the Shabbat? And, you know, he becomes very distressed. The scripture says he becomes distressed of everything that he's seeing. Um, and, and his biggest issue was why has the temple of God been forsaken? And, and I think his other, I guess I'm going to say kind of like his pet peeve is why aren't our children speaking our language? Now there's a lot to be said in that. Okay. Because how would this translate to today? Well, it would translate today when, when Paul writes that we are not to be unevenly yoked. And he also writes that if you have married an unbeliever, okay, not a non-Jew, if you married an unbeliever, in other words, if you married somebody who wasn't in the faith, that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God on earth, that he died on the cross for our sins, went into the grave in three days, resurrected and overcame death so that we could overcome death through grace, mercy, um, and his suffering. If you are married to someone like that, and they leave you, let them go. So there's always been a recognition of an issue between being what, what we would say in the church today is evenly yoked. There is a, a Hebrew equivalent and I don't recall it off the top of my head. So one of the hardest things for, for you know someone that's been called into ministry or or someone who has been called to minister to others is to understand that there's got to be a restoration period. We have to restore. Now, the thing about Nehemiah chapter um, 13 is while this is a natural thing, the natural must come first before the spiritual, right? We're told by Paul in the Habrit HaHadishah, the New Covenant, that the natural is first and then comes the spiritual. So what happens in the natural then has to happen in the spiritual, but it has to happen in the natural first. So a lot of what you read in Hebrew has to happen naturally before now when Jesus gives his Sermon on the Mount and he says, well, you've heard it read in Torah that it says not to be angry or your sin, but he, truly I tell you, if you say Raka and you have anger in your heart towards your brother that you have sinned, right? So he takes it from one, the written word, and he puts it into what? The word that is ingrained in your heart. So when we look at these things and we realize that it always begins with the reading of Moses, it always begins with the reading of the living word. You see what I mean? And what it did is 
it identified certain tribes and said they are not allowed to enter the congregation of Hashem forever. So what we're, we're seeing is when, how does this work in the spiritual? So when you begin ministering to somebody and you know that there's a restoration that needs doing and you begin to read the word, then they're going to realize that there are certain people in their lives that don't belong there. Okay, that there's certain things going on in their lives and circumstances going on in their lives that don't belong there. And sometimes it's impossible. I mean, we're not, and, and you better not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you're married to an unbeliever, it is, this is giving you a writ of divorce. It is not, exclamation point, the end. No, it isn't. Okay, what I'm saying is there are people from your past that shouldn't belong in your future because you have entered into the assembly or the congregation of Hashem forever. You've entered into that relationship. You see? And there are times when there's nothing we can do. We may have been married to them. We may have had children with them. We may have had a relationship with them. And for whatever reason, they have to be in our lives at the moment. But the, what we're, we're being told is we need to guard against them with the word of God and know that they are not allowed to be in our lives. We can't give them power to be in our lives. Because in verse 2, one of the things that... that um, one of the things that um, Nehemiah tells the people of Israel is that, you know, these people were the ones that hired Balaam to curse them, right? But God turned that curse into blessing. Like we saw with Joseph, what was meant for evil, God used for good. You see, so these people from the past, these things, these, these people that we used to run with that are no good, that are still caused in all whatever the case may be, they don't belong in our life and... We need to understand that we've entered into a congregation of God forever. And what he's done, he's taken that, he's taken that wickedness and he's taken that evil of things from the past and he's turned it into good, into a blessing. But we have to keep it a blessing. You see, we have to keep those things at bay. And again, I'm going to emphasize we're going to have relationships that we can't from our past that we can't get away from. We're going to have those kinds of things that we're stuck with at the moment, or at least we may have had children with people or some kind of other relationship. You may, may be married to an unbeliever. I am not saying this is a writ of divorce. I cannot say it enough. What I'm saying is even if you are in a position where there are people from your past that you have to be in contact with, an ex, a parent of a child that you share together, you cannot give them power because what's the first thing they want to do? They want to be like Balaam and they want to throw curses against you. But God has said, I'm going to turn what their curse is into blessings, but you need to put up a wall. You need to take a stand. See, because it says, when they heard Torah, then they separated. When you hear the Lord, the word of God, you're going to begin to separate. That's how restoration begins. Separating yourself from the people or the things or the places from your past that caused the wickedness and the evil and the sin and all the oppression, the depression, all that. That's how it begins. And, and 
So what we have to understand is one of the things that, that Nehemiah says that bothered him so much was that the temple had been forsaken. And I want you to understand how that applies today. Before salvation, your temple is a train wreck. There is pagan worship on that temple. There is sexual deviance in that temple. There is lust in that temple. There is burning passions in that temple. There is the fulfillment of flesh, ego, self-indulgence, the fulfillment of pride in that temple, self-deprecation, self-preservation, self-gratification in that temple. Paul says... Why would you, you know, uh, join yourself with a prostitute? Don't you know what that does? You are a temple of the living God. And what that's doing is defaming your temple. That's what he's talking about. He's, he's referring to this verse here. Why has the temple of God been forsaken? And then what Nehemiah did was he came in and he hired guards. And he put them where they needed to be. And he took the priests and he put them in their place, literally. And then he appointed people and priests and scribes, right? And he appointed them to do a task. And that's one of the things that we do when we minister to people, isn't it? We tell them now they need to be on their guard against all of this. And, and, and they are their own priests. They're their own scribe, right? They're, 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 they are their own um, tribute. They're their own tribute. So we need to remember that this restoration period is very difficult because not only is it about turning your back on your past, and breaking relationships that are extraordinarily toxic, that bring curses and not blessings, that bring evil and wickedness. But it's about putting up a barrier, a wall against those whom you have no choice but to deal with to say, you may bring curses, but my God's going to turn it into a blessing. But in the same way, you need to be on your guard to know that you can't allow that into the temple of God. Your temple, your heart, the place where you and God dwell in this earthly vessel. In your earthly Mishkan hell, the tent of assembly, that's what this is. That's why it's made of flesh. That's why the tent of meeting was made of flesh. Because where you go, God goes. And of course... The most distressing thing, and I said I think it's it's definitely Nehemiah's pet peeve, was that the children of these mixed marriages were not brought up speaking Hebrew. They were being taught a different language. That's tough. I mean, because, you know, I, I know what happens. I mean, I've seen it happen when you have one that's saved and one that's not saved, and there's a conflict, a spiritual war going on in the home, and they're married, and it's where, how are we going to raise the children? And again, I am saying this, this is not a writ of divorce at all. 
But the point being is when you have children involved, how are you bringing up your children? And then I'm going to take it one step further to say, for those of you who have disciples, are you teaching them God's language? Are you teaching them the things of Hashem? Or are they learning the things of God? Not by just by what you say, but by what you do, by the assignments that God has given you that you've overcome. By what you allow into your own temple. So in, in verse 14, this is when he he utters those words which I love, Zakera Lee, remember me. Remember me, Elohi, my God. Concerning all that I'm doing, remember me and don't erase my good deeds that I did in the temple of my God and with its watches. He's saying, because I think at this point, we're not really told in the scripture, the the pressure that Nehemiah must have been under was immense. Because you're talking about taking a nation and restoring them back to Hashem. Having them break off relationships. Reteach children. The way you're handling your tithes and offerings is a disgrace. Get this guy out of the temple. Get this one away from the temple. Cast them out. Where is my priesthood? Where is the tithe going? Get it going where it needs to be. Now, because they want to come in on Shabbat and they want to sell, I have to post guards to keep them out. Because the Shabbat is holy. And it is, it is separated unto God by choice. So one of the the last point that I want to make, he's not only saying that, remember me for all the things that I did, but this is one of the the, the things that I love, and it's in verse 19 of chapter 13. It says, now it came to pass when the gates of Jerusalem cast shadows before Shabbat, that I commanded and the doors were closed, and I said that they should not open them until after the Sabbath, and I stationed some of my youths over the gate so that no load should enter on that Sabbath day. Youth, he, he stationed his guards, right? He stationed soldiers so that illegal traffickers and vendors couldn't come inside. He set up a gate. You see? He set up a gate to guard against those who would cause the people of Israel to forsake Forsaken the Shabbat. And that's what we have to do. We have to guard against those people who would cause us to sin. And then later on, he says it again in verse 29. Remember my God. And this time he says, remember them and how they defiled the priesthood. But remember me for all the works that I have done. Because I have done them for you. And don't erase the good deeds. Because my temple is being set right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with going to Hashem and saying, God, please remember me. 
what I'm doing, I'm doing for you. Please don't forsake me. I know you won't. Jesus cried out on the cross from Psalm 22 because sometimes that's how we feel, but that is not the case. But Lord, remember me. The restoration work that I do in my heart, in my home, and with my disciples, with those who I am called to minister to. Remember that I am trying to restore their temple. Remember that I'm trying to help them restore their own temple and help them see what is wicked and evil in their lives so they can set the gate up against it. They can close the gates to their 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 temple, their Jerusalem in their heart so that they can begin to understand peace. So again, this is an exciting time because we do begin the Pesach month. Well, at least in our English calendar, um, the month of Nisan doesn't begin for a couple of weeks on Rosh Kodesh, like I said. But... Let's just use this as a preparation this season as we go into Pesach and we start to understand the Passover and what happened and what it means and how Jesus not only is the Passover lamb, but he's every single part of the Passover in every way, shape, and form. So it's just challenging, I guess. So I just challenge. And I again say Shabbat Shalom to everybody. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you absolute shalom peace. In the precious name of Jesus, our glorious Messiah, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Billy Elias. Pastor Billy is the founder and pastor of Elon Restoration Fellowship in Toms River, New Jersey. Join us again as Pastor Billy bridges the gap between the Old and New Covenants. And as always, may the Lord bless you with peace. Yeah.